Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So let's jump into what we're doing today. We are continuing a series on prayer, and today we're going to talk about why God doesn't answer our prayers, at least the way that we want Him to, okay? And uh, so if you weren't here last week, which nobody was here last week, it's good for you guys, we were, we were closed, we did what was called Church on the Go, and how many of you guys actually had a chance to watch that, to watch the Church on the Go? Okay, so there was, there was like almost 100 views, and I wasn't sure if that was our people or other people around the world that were watching it, but thank you if you had a chance to watch it. If you don't, it's still up, and you can catch it, but it is last week's message where we began this series on prayer, and what we did was we defined what prayer is. So here's the whole message in a nutshell, which I encourage you to go back and listen to. But prayer is communicating with God. It's talking to him. And it's talking to him with gut-level honesty about what matters to you. And doing that continually and then learning once you've laid those requests before him to be silent and listen for his voice and look for his leading on those situations. That's what prayer is. It is talking to God. It is a two-way street. It is talking to him and then listening to him, okay? And so that, that's, that's all it is. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. They came to Jesus, and they said, look, obviously, you sneak off to talk to God, and you know something that we don't know, so can you teach us how to pray? And he said, absolutely, and so we're going to talk about how Jesus laid out for his disciples to pray. But again, this week, we're going to look at why God doesn't answer our prayers. And the problem is, when, when God doesn't answer our prayers, at least the way that we'd like him to, we have a tendency to kind of get upset, don't we? Like we start shaking our fists, like, why did you answer my prayer? This, this image right here was so many of you Buckeye fans last Saturday night. This was you, right? As Clemson absolutely trounced us in that game. Was it 31 to zero? I didn't even get to watch the game because I was on the beach doing a wedding. Poor me, I know. But, <laughs> but, so many of you are like, why? We love our Buckeyes. I was praying for my Buckeyes. How come you didn't answer my prayer, God? And then there's others of you who are praying about serious things. And you were praying, maybe you've been praying for somebody who, who is sick in the hospital. And the doctors have given them a report of six months left to live. And you've been praying for them. And it doesn't matter how much or how often you seem to pray, how long you seem to pray. The words you use, God isn't healing this person. Well, certainly he doesn't want somebody to be sick. Why aren't you answering my prayer? Or maybe it's your marriage, and your marriage is a wreck, and you're looking at the situation. You go, oh, we've gone to counseling. We've done everything I know to do. I'm working on this as hard as I can, and yet my spouse has still left. I'm praying, God, and you're not answering my prayers. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're praying for someone to encounter God because you know that if they encountered the love of God, they would never be the same. You believe that. They would never be the same if they encountered the love of God. And so you pray that they have this encounter, and yet the more you pray for them, the further away from God they seem to get. Why aren't you answering my prayer? Maybe you're praying for your kids who are facing difficult situations at school, situations that you and I never had to face, pressures that you and I never knew anything about, opportunities that are so far from us that they have. And we're praying that our kids would be delivered from those situations, that God would give us wisdom to know how to handle those things and and, and that they'd be removed out, and yet the circumstances and situations seem to be getting worse. Why aren't you answering my prayer? 
Maybe you're praying for a loved one who's facing addiction, or maybe you're caught in addiction. I know that in the past, when I was caught in addiction, it was my prayer regularly, God help me, God help me, God help me break this cycle of addiction. And it seems like God is far from you. It seems like he's not answering. Why doesn't God answer when you pray? It's a great question. Garth Brooks wrote a song years ago called Unanswered Prayers. And in the song, he tells a story about a guy who prays for a girl. He's like, Lord, if you'd only grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. He's like, I want that girl. I want to make her mine. Give me that one. I'll never ask for anything again. Some of y'all have prayed prayers like this before, so it's very relative to you. You understand. There's something you want so bad. God, give me this. I'll never ask you for nothing again. I'll never bother you. You get me out of trouble this time. Get me out of jail this time. Come on, someone, let's be honest. You don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just putting mine up, okay? That was a trick. Yeah, we got one hand over here. He's like, yeah, that's me. I don't get it. <laughs> don't do that. That was a trick. This is if, if I want her to be mine. And, and then he goes on to tell the story how God never answered that prayer. How years later he runs into her at a fair and, and he, with time and perspective, he says, ah, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that even though he doesn't answer, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. But time and perspective have helped him to understand that. And you, in the middle of your circumstance right now, feeling the pain of whatever it is you're feeling, don't have that time, don't have that perspective. And so the comfort of some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Well, that's lost on you. I won't take comfort in that. that this hurts now. I'm in pain now, relationally, I'm in pain. Physically, I'm in pain now, and I want to be out. I want God to take care of it now. Why isn't he answering my prayer? When we look at the scriptures, there, there we find that prayer is talked about often, and that there are things that matter to God when we pray. And so I'm gonna walk you through some of those. If you're taking notes today, the very first thing that matters to God when you pray is your relationships. Your relationships matter to God when you pray. It matters how you treat one another. It matters if you are loving one another. Ultimately, when we look at scriptures, this love takes on a very specific shape. And that very specific shape is, ends in, are you willing to forgive someone who has wronged you? Even though maybe they've not said sorry? Are you willing to release people of the harm they've caused you? Look what scripture says. Jesus said this, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Man, we get fired up when we see that verse, don't we? Yes, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Yes, I'll receive that unto my bosom. Why do we say bosom? I don't know. I'll receive it. We like that verse, right? We get excited. The problem is, is that verse doesn't stop there. In fact, the very next sentence begins with an and, which means this is, if you understand English and grammar, this is a conjunctive. It means it's connected to that. This is kind of a stipulation of that. You get that? Even though there was a period there, there's an and that starts the next one. It's connected. And it says, and he goes, and I can see Jesus saying this. Everybody starts cheering after he says it. woo yeah! And then he goes, <clears throat> and... You know what I'm saying? He's like, just snuck it in on him. They're like, oh, stink, he got us, you know. 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. If you've ever had to forgive anybody who's harmed you, physically, mentally, maybe sexually, relationally, socially, financially, these are significant ways. These are significant things. You have to forgive them. This is what he's called you to. This is what it takes to follow Jesus. And this matters to God when you pray. He says, forgive him. If you hold anything against anyone, anything, that's anything at all, small, big, doesn't matter, anything, forgive him. It's like just, it's such a simple phrase, and yet it's robust. Oh, that's going to take some work. Forgive him with a condition that comes with it so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. God made it clear that when we are praying, your relationships matter. How you treat one another matters. Whether you're willing to forgive someone or not matters. For those of you that are harboring unforgiveness in your heart, in your life, your prayers are being hindered. The power that you have in prayer is being squashed. Because you're unwilling to forgive. God is saying, look, you can't tell me that you love me and hate your brother at the same time and hold unforgiveness towards them. I have forgiven you much. You must forgive others much. This is how it works. I mean, think about that. That makes sense, right? Like we want to, if you don't honor God with the thing that he's asking you to do, why would he continue to bless you? Why would he give you what you're asking for? In my house, we have screens. We call them screens because we have screens of every shape and every size. We've got big screens, we got small screens, and we watch our Netflix and our Hulus on the big screens and the small screens. We play our PlayStation 4 on the big screen and the small screen, right? And then we have even smaller screens, screens we can put in our pockets, our cell phones. And then we've got tablets. And then we've got computer screens that you can sit down at a desk with a keyboard. We have screens everywhere. And our kids love our screens. I love our screens. That's why we have them. I like the screens. I like the content I can view on them. I like the access to the technology that it affords me. I like that. But at our house, if you want to use screens, you've got to earn it. That's a privilege. That's not a right. And so when my kids come home from school or even when they get up in the morning, before screens are activated, there is a list of things that they must accomplish. And I got so tired of repeating the list Somebody, some parent needs to give me a witness here. You know what I'm saying? I got so tired of repeating the list and then telling me, see, I'm, he already knows where I'm going. I ain't even said it yet, and he's already with me. I got so tired of telling them the list and then looking at me and said, you never said that, that I took that stuff and I wrote it on stone tablets. No, I, no, I did. I just put it on a little post-it note. And I hung that thing on a bright green slip of paper. You ever come into my living room, there's a bright green slip of paper hanging on my TV that says, you must do this. And some of it's written in bold and others of it is underlined before you turn this screen on. I've ended the conversation. But now if I find them with the screen and their room is a mess or their laundry isn't done or what, no, no, you're done forever, however long I decide. Some of you are thinking, living with that guy would not be pleasant. I'll bless you when you operate within my circle of blessing, when you do what I ask you to do. I can be really nice. 
I can be really nice. It got so bad one time that they were fighting over, uh, the, the boys were fighting. They're playing their PlayStation 3. And they were fighting, speaking horribly to each other. And we'd talked to them multiple times. You're cheating. You're looking at my screen. Oh, dear Lord. I... Do you realize that your relationships are more important than this PlayStation 3? Sorry, sorry. You know, it was, but it continued. And I warned them. I said, if you all keep this up, that PlayStation 3 is going to disappear. So in November of 2015, I'd had enough. And you know what happened? Facebook post from Aaron DeLong. Free PlayStation 3 to a good home. Posted it. It was gone with all the games, all of the controllers within a day. Gone. Because this Papa Bear don't play. I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to let it stay. If you won't honor each other's relationships, yes, you may have earned it by accomplishing all your chores. However, your relationships are more important to me. And I'll just remove the thing that's a problem. Because I love you enough. Right? Hello? Some of you are all like, oh, I don't like him as a parent. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Don't go to his parenting girl group. Shoot. Month and a half later, we blessed them, bought them a PlayStation 4 for Christmas. But they went a month and a half, didn't know that was coming. Just so you know, I am a nice guy. Sometimes. My point is, God cares about your relationships. He cares about your relationships. And when you're willing to honor him by loving people, that means forgiving includes it. Then he'll hear your prayers. He'll bless you. He'll respond. In the Bible, I love how God says things. And when he's talking to husbands and wives, he says things very succinctly. It's like one line, and the ladies get it. But when he talks to husbands, he has to go on for like 15 verses. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about. I don't know what that is, but I think God kind of understands how he made us. Like, we just don't get it, like, right up front. You know what I'm saying? You got to say it to us and then explain it to us and then say it to us again, right? Because when you read the husband's verses, don't, come, don't tell me you've never seen this in your Bible. Look, you all need to start reading your Bible when you read your Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, notice that God repeats something, and you'll see that. When he talks to the men, he says it, he explains it, shows you how Jesus did it, and then says it again to the guys, and for the women, they're like, women, respect your husbands. They're like, got this. I understand. <laughs> you spent a whole chapter talking to the men. Anyway, here's this verse. Just for the guys. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Why do you treat your wife with respect, guys? So it doesn't hinder your prayers. No, you wives, quit elbowing your husbands and leave them alone, all right? Here we go. So what matters to God when you pray? Your relationships matter. The next thing that matters to God when, your prayer is, when you pray is your motives. Your motives matter. James 4, 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. 
There's something in your heart that is off. You are asking for the wrong reason. You are asking because you want it for yourself selfishly, right? We're all selfish individuals. Come on, let's just level the playing field and say, I'm selfish, you're selfish, welcome to it. Pot, kettle, here we are, right? Everybody's selfish. And we have a tendency to allow our motives to get the best of us, and we pray with wrong motives. But those things matter when you pray. In fact, Jesus pointed it out in the New Testament We see Pharisees. Now, when I say Pharisees, I'm talking about religious leaders of the day, a.k.a. or also known as pastors, okay? The pastors of the day were walking around, and they were praying in the outer courts and where all the people were. That'd be like me standing in the foyer praying loud and long and with big words. And that's what these pastors of the day were doing. And they were not doing that so that God would hear them. They did that so that the people would hear them. They did that so the people would think that they were religious, that they were closer to God because their prayers were magnanimous. Ooh, that's a big word. So they, they, I don't even know what that word means, actually, within context. Somebody just needs to look that up and correct me later. But (laughs) it's huge. They would just say huge words because they wanted to impress people. Their motives were wrong. Their heart was wrong. God doesn't answer prayers like that when your motives are are wrong. I grew up with guys this way. I grew up in church, and man, we would start praying for this fine-looking girl come walking in. Oh, dear Lord, please let her be saved, God. If she's not, bring her to Jesus, because she is fine. (laughs) She is fine, and I want to date her, right? So you're like, your motives are way wrong. You don't really care about her eternity, nor do you care about God's concern for her. You you just wanted it to be okay that it was, that you were dating a a girl because she was a Christian, right? Or, or we pray for the, to win the lottery, like, Lord, help me win the lottery. And God, if you'll let me win the lottery, I'll give, I'll give you a bunch of money. And God's looking at you going, you're not trusting me right now. You won't give anything on the offering plate now. How in the world am I going to give you the lottery when you're not willing to give now? That's not happening. Here's a joke for you, just, just so you know. It's not even in my notes. This is free for you, all right? This person prays to win the lottery for like 10 years. Keeps praying, like, Lord, let me let them win the lottery. Let me win the lottery. Never wins the lottery. So upset. One day she's like, God, I've been praying for 10 years. How come I haven't won the lottery? And God whispers in a still small voice and says, meet me halfway. Buy a ticket. (laughs) All right. Your motives matter when you pray. It's important. Proverbs 16.2 says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Your relationships with God's children matter, and your motives matter, people. The next thing that matters is the way you live. The way you live your life matters to God when you pray. When it comes to prayer, the opportunities and the potential to have your circumstances changed are equal. Everybody has the equal opportunity and the equal potential to have God respond to you in prayer, right? Everybody has that. However, what's different from me and you or maybe all of us and say like somebody like Billy Graham is the way we live our lives. We feel like God, well, God answers every prayer that Billy Graham prays. Let me look at this. This is a man of God. Yet, yeah, look, he's lived a life of honor. He's honored God with his life. There's a difference in the way that maybe he lives and the way that we live. There's a difference in the way we handle our sexuality and the way that we handle our finances, our relationships. There's a difference in the way that we handle our attitudes. Maybe we aren't honoring God with our lives because those things matter. 
Those things matter to God when we pray. We have the same potential and opportunity as Billy Graham, but not all of us live in a way that honors God. I'm not saying you have to be Billy Graham. I'm saying that you have to live your life in a way that honors God in order for God to hear you in prayer. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and, I love this word, effective. It's effective. The word righteous there means somebody who practices right living. The prayer of someone who practices right living is powerful and effective. Why? Well, because God says, oh, you're going you're gonna to live, live your life my way? You're going to do the way that I, I tell you to do it in the, in, throughout the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to honor your prayer. Of course. Strong relationship with him? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to honor your prayer. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to respond to you. The way that you live your life is honoring me, of course. But here, put you, I'm going to put you in, in this position. Maybe this will help you understand God. If you had the opportunity to bless someone financially, two people, two, two individuals, and you have to choose one, which would you choose? The man who's healthy and strong has turned down two jobs because they're beneath him, and the last time you gave him money, he spent it on beer. Or a man who has just fallen on hard times, works his job, and would take the money that you would give him and would use it to buy groceries and pay the rent or the mortgage, would use it responsibly. He would, he would use it honorably. Which person would you be willing to bless? The guy that the two jobs are beneath him and he won't work and misused his funds in the first place or the last time you blessed him? Or the person who would live honorably. Seems simple, doesn't it? You know who you would want to bless. The way you live your life matters. You cannot live a life of sin or living contrary to God's best for you, contrary to his ways, and expect him to answer your prayers. I think sometimes God just lets us kind of go off on our own, you know. I'll find. If you're resolved to live that way, go for it. And he just kind of lets us reap what we sow for a little bit, you know. I'm I'm just going to hands off. You do what you need to do. I'll be here waiting when you come back. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked. He is far. But he hears the prayer of the righteous, somebody that's by living. Now that's not to say, and don't hear me saying, that if you live and do everything right, that God has to give you everything that you ask for. It's not what I'm saying. I'm also not saying that if you blow it big time that God's not going to hear your prayer anymore. No, because the Bible says that if you and I are faithful to confess our faults, our sin, that he's faithful to forgive. But it starts there, you understand. Walking in Christ's righteousness, his forgiveness first. I'm telling you, your relationships matter, your motives matter, and the way you live your life matters. Next thing that matters when you pray, we see in the scriptures, is your faith matters. Your faith matters. What you believe matters. James 1, 6 through 7 says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. That's your faith. You have to believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Your faith matters to God. You must believe and not doubt when you ask God for something. What does that mean? That, me- that means that when you come to him, you come to him with childlike faith. Faith that just believes that God can, God will, that he's able. Right? I, I think what's sad is that the longer that, that I find people are Christians or Christ followers, 
um, the more easy it is for them to forget that God is able, that, that God is the God of impossibles, that God is the God who spoke the universe into existence, right? That verse that says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, he's describing God. The potential for him, what he can do is limitless. He's all-knowing, he's ever-present, he's all-powerful. We forget that. And I think we forget that through a series of maybe prayers that we prayed where we didn't get an answer that we liked or we got a no, or maybe we got a later, and so our faith gets weakened, and we stop asking. We do everything we can, and then we go, well, I guess all we can do now is pray, as if that's like the least of what you and I can do. The longer we walk with Christ, this is what seems to happen to us. I love new baby Christians, man. I love them when they, they first place their faith in Christ, because they pray for stuff, and God start, starts answering them right away. Why? Well, because they haven't been around long enough to hear no's, and their faith is like through the roof. I love it. I love finding them. If I got something going on in my life, it's like, hey, can you pray for this for me? Because God can. And they're like, absolutely, Lord. I you. They just, they, maybe they don't have the right words. Maybe they don't even know what to ask, but they've got faith, man. I like having little kids pray for me. Anybody ever had a little kid pray for you? Aren't they so cute? They're so cute and they're so powerful. Why? Because they just believe. They just believe that God is able. They learn that he can. Okay. And they'll pray. Little Landon, Landon walks around here. He'll pray for anybody. Grab Landon, grab any of our kids, because we teach them in the children's ministry how to pray. We teach them that God answers their prayers. I have had my kids pray for me. Every time I'm sick, I have my kids pray for me. I've been laying on the couch with a fever, have my kids pray for me. Moments after they've prayed for me, I've got up, the fever's gone. Come on, somebody, I'm telling you, that's some childlike faith. I love it. I'll always include my kids in prayer. For whatever reason, they just believe. We have to just believe. This is how we have to approach God. We have to approach him and just go, hey, I may have never seen you do this, but your word says you can, so I'm just going to trust that you can. The Bible tells a story about a couple guys who did that. There are two blind guys. The Bible says they ran up to Jesus. Now, I don't know if you read your Bible when you read your Bible, but I do. Two blind guys running sounds hilarious to me. right? We don't know how many times they fell. We have no idea how many signposts they ran into. We don't know how many people they knocked over, how much dog do they stepped in. We don't know. If you'd like to know what this experience is, is like, please blindfold yourself and run. Let us know when and where. We'll be there with the cameras. I'm ready. But can you imagine the missteps? How many times did they fall? They did not care. That was not their concern. They heard about Jesus and they went. Two of them. I, don't, I want to know what that conversation was like. Hey, man, I think there's a guy that can heal us. Really? Where's he at? No idea. I'm blind. <laughs> Me too. How did that conversation go? Is your ma around? She can take us. I ain't seen her in weeks. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm saying? All right, I didn't, I didn't do that first service. I probably shouldn't have done that this service. Seriously. Y'all, read your Bible. Understand, these are real people with real issues. That were coming to a very real God who was wrapped in flesh and his name was Jesus. And they wanted to receive their sight. 
And they come up to this dude like, hey, look, we heard about you. Have mercy on us. Jesus says, what do you want? He said, we want to receive our sight. This is what he asked them. Do you believe? He says, do you believe? They said, yes, we believe. And this is what Jesus responded. Matthew 9, 29, he says, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith. Yeah. According to your faith. According to what they believed, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. These blind dudes received their sight because they believed that Jesus could. Now, let me tell you something. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it then, he'll do it today. He's a God who heals then. He's a God who heals today. He's not changing. We just have to believe that and ask because our faith matters when we pray. Now, the danger of this Danger, I'm not telling you that just because you've decided a thing and declare a thing that you get a thing. I'm not telling you that you can blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. I'm not even going to go down that path. That is not how it works because then you all start thinking, that means that I can get stuff from God. He is a cosmic vending machine and if I push these buttons and do this thing, then God has to give me what it is that I want. And all of you start imagining driving a luxury car with butt warmers because that's what you want in the middle of January when it's 10 degrees outside. Anybody say amen? Amen. Yeah. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you relationships matter, your motives matter, your faith matters, the way you live your life matters. And this is the hard one. This, this next one that matters to God when you pray is the hard one because, man, to wrap your head around this is difficult. God's will matters. God's will matters when you pray. Look at this. this and this, I'm just going to warn you now. This verse is going to get you excited. I remember reading verses just like this because there are multiple places in the Bible. And the first time I read this, I came running up the stairs from the basement at my mom's house because that's where I lived. Yes, I was that guy. And I said, Mom, do you, do you know this was in the Bible? And she's like, yeah. Why are you, how come you're not running and more excited? Are you kidding me? That's how I felt. Here you go. Just letting me let you know. You're going to want to run around, but just please keep your seats, okay? Don't, dis- don't distract anybody. <laughs> First John. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask we know that we have what we've asked of him. Why would I ask for anything that's not God's will? Of course I'm going to ask for things. God wants me rich, so I'm going to pray for finances, right? God wants me to have the best job, so I'm going to pray for that. God wants me to win the lottery. Certainly he wants me blessed. He wants me in nice clothes. He wants me in skinny jeans and plaid shirts. God's going to bless me. I'm going to pray for it. And because I know it's God's will, I'm going to have it. I think we misunderstand that. We get excited because we think our will is his will. I did this when I was younger. I was probably about 20 years old. I knew I was called to ministry from about the age of 16. And my youth pastor identified it in my life and began to mentor me. Then I got connected with another church and began serving in the youth ministry, all along knowing that God had called me to ministry. And when I graduated high school, I knew I was going to go to Bible college, but I put it off for a year. It took a year to work, to have fun. And then it was time to go to Bible college. Now, I had heard stories about people who went to Bible college 
uh, and they didn't have money because I didn't have money to go to Bible college. I, I didn't have the money to pay for it, uh, for tuition. And I'd heard stories about people, they would go to Bible college, didn't have the money because they felt like it, God told them to go. And so they get in line, and just before they step up to pay at the cashier to pay for their classes and set up their schedule, somebody would step in front of them and say, God told me I was supposed to pay for your Bible college. And I said, come on, somebody, that's for me. I ain't got no money. This is how God going to bless me. Watch this, because certainly God's called me to ministry. Bible college is in his will for me. So I'm going to go to Bible college. I don't have a penny. I'm going to show up there. And somebody's going to step in front of me just like they've done for so many other people, and they're going to pay for my Bible college. Because if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, well, we know we have whatever we ask. So I went. Before I went, probably about a month and a half before I went, my grandmother sent me a couple thousand dollars for Bible college. I said, oh, that's awesome. Because in Bible college, you have to wear a shirt and a tie and and other people like to wear suits. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to wear some suits. I don't have any suits, so I'm going to go buy some suits. I used that money to pay off my car and buy some suits instead of paying for Bible college. God had already made a way. I just took it. And I said this. I said, well, God's going to send somebody to step in front of me when I go to pay. And that's how I'm going to have Bible college paid for. And because I know, you know that I got this coming, I need to prepare for it and go ahead and buy my suits and prepare for it because I needed to have these clothes. So I spent all the money. On suits, I look fancy. Besides, I heard that at the Bible college, it was an unofficial policy that it, there was a ring by spring guarantee. You know what I'm saying? I was a single guy, and I was looking to get hitched. And if you understand Christianity, you know that God says no, no hanky-panky outside of marriage, and so I was looking forward to that. You all can laugh. It's okay. And so I go. I bought my suits. I spent all my money, and I'm, I'm like, I'm waiting. And I'm, I'm in line. I'm next to go tell my schedule and to pay. And I'm looking left and I'm looking right. I'm wondering. I'm excited. Because if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. It has to be his will that I go to Bible college. He's called me to ministry. I'm looking left and right. They said, next. And this is me. And I get to the counter and nobody stepped in front of me. Nobody stepped in front of me to pay. I told them the courses that I wanted to take. They told me the price, and I said, I don't have any money. I said, do you have payment plans? They said, nope. I said, thank you very much. And I walked away. I stayed that day through the rest of the orientation just waiting on someone to step forward like I believed that they were going to, right? Because your faith matters. I was living right before God. I, I was, I, my relationships were good. I mean, like, I, I had all the previous things checked. Certainly, this is God's will. This is his plan. Why isn't somebody paying for me? And I remember that day. I went home. I was crushed. I was broken. And I, I remember doing all this because of verses like First John. Because if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. Thing is, is I misunderstood. See, God has a will and God has a plan. And I was not in line with it because God didn't tell me to go to Bible college. He didn't speak to my heart about that. I decided that's what I was going to do. That makes sense? I said, this is what I'm going to do. And so what God did was, instead of answering my prayer, he gave me a lesson, which has transformed my entire life. That when I pray, God's will matters. 
his plan for my life matters more than what I want. Like any father, good father, his plan for you matters more than what the child wants. And I'm his child. And so I learned to listen for his will, listen for his plan for my life. After that happened, I learned that God's not a cosmic vending machine. When you look at the Bible, there's, there's a guy named Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And you would have to agree that of all the people in the New Testament, the regular people, that Paul was the guy who should have had a prayer answered, right? And yet we find that Paul prayed three times about something that was really bugging him in his life. We don't know if it was a physical ailment. We don't know if it was a person. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was a character flaw. But Paul was really bugged by this, and he went through three seasons, probably something like 21 days of prayer and fasting, three times, where he asked God to take care of this and deal with it in his life. And God's response to Paul after these three seasons of prayer was, no. He said, I'm going to give you a greater gift. You're going to learn that my grace is sufficient for you, and that where you're weak, I'm strong. And God gave him a greater gift. God's will is more important than what we want. You can have your relationships right. You can have your motives right. You can, you can have your life right. You can have faith and believe, but God still has a plan that may be outside of what you want, and you need to trust him. You need to, I know this isn't popular. I know, I know that nobody's going to tweet about this, like, man, I'm not getting my prayers answered, but boy, do I trust him. <laughs> it's not popular. This is, this is where we need to be. This is what we have to do. We need to trust him. Not even Jesus was exempt from his Father's will. Jesus, who came to this earth with the purpose, the express purpose of laying his life down and dying for you and I, paying a penalty we could not pay for ourselves, that was his express purpose. Jesus, fully God and fully man, walking this earth for 33 years, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there moments before he's captured and taken to be beaten, tortured, and murdered. He's praying. And his prayer is so intense, the Bible says that he's sweating drops of blood. And he prays three times the same prayer. He's like, look, Father, I know that you sent me here for this purpose. I know that's why I'm here. But I know what's coming up. And my beard, I've been growing it for a couple years, Father. It looks nice. I'm really, I really am not a, liking the idea that it's about to be ripped out of my face. I like it there. Well, these clothes that I'm wearing, they're kind of nice. My mom made them for me. I'd rather not have them auctioned off, somebody gambling for them. I'd rather not walk around naked. I'd rather not be embarrassed. I'd rather not have my hands pierced. I like to eat M&Ms. You know this. Well, come on, let's make him a real person for a second, because he was. That's, I'm not being funny. I mean, I, I am, but you understand what I'm saying. That's real. I don't want my feet pierced. I kind of like walking on them. I want to keep the flesh on my back. Hey, if there's a way we can avoid all of this unpleasantry, could we? How many of you all have prayed prayers like that? Hey, I'm not really enjoying what I'm going through right now, God. Could we avoid this? I'm not looking forward to the meeting I'm going to have with my boss tomorrow. Could we avoid this? I'm not looking forward to that court date. I'm not looking forward to the conversation. 
I'm not looking forward to the counseling. I'm not looking forward to, my, to waking up tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not liking what I'm facing now. I'm not liking the outcome of the decisions I've made. And Jesus prays like we would. He says, hey, God. Luke 22, 42, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, this is the greatest prayer of faith I've ever heard, not my will, but let yours be done. He's saying, look, I have a preference. If we can avoid this, that'd be great. However, you've got a plan, and I trust you. I'd like to not be murdered, if that's okay. Not today. But I trust your plan. That's where we, we need to be. This is where you and I have to be, because God's will matters when we pray. What if God had given me what I wanted when I told him he was going to pay for Bible college? I may have become a pastor, but I've been a very different man. I may have even been preaching a false gospel. I may have learned that blab it and grab it is how it works because it worked once. I may have been out there telling people, hey, you just decide a thing and declare it. That's how it works. Destroying many people's lives. Teaching them that God is who he isn't. I could have been a very different man. But God had a plan. And I've gone through so much that has changed who I am as a human being, as a father, as a friend, as a husband. That today I stand prepared. God's like, oh, I was going to make you a pastor, but it wasn't until 2013. And he's brought me to this city for such a time as this. I had to trust. And you learn. You learn to trust God no matter what because the Bible says that all things work to the good of those who serve him, period. That means all things. Everything that you're facing, good or bad, whether he changes the outcome of it or not, we learn to trust him. Trust him because he has a plan and it's greater than you know. So as you pray, remember your relationships matter. We need to forgive others. Your motives matter. You need to ask God to check your heart. Our lives matter and how we live them. You need to live a life following Jesus and honoring God with your life our faith matters. We have to trust God with childlike faith, and God's will matters. We need to surrender to his plan and not ours. But you know what matters most? And I'm going to close now. You know what matters most? What matters most is that you have an honest relationship with God through Jesus. That's what matters most. That's where it all begins. Listen to this. This is not my opinion. I didn't write it. Don't be mad at me. If you're here today, I realize we've got different people in this room, and you're at a different place in your spiritual journey, but don't get mad at me when you hear this. This is just what the Bible says. This is, I'm going to help you with some truth you may not like. It may be inconvenient for you, but it's still what the Bible says. It says, John 9, 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. When you pray, the thing that matters most is that you have an honest relationship with him through Jesus. You say, a sinner. Who's a sinner? We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But we can have that 
relationship between us and God bridged, built through a relationship with Jesus. That's how it works. And I think there are people that go to church every Sunday who say that they're Christ followers, but they don't know God. They don't know him. Well, they, they know about him. They know him in the way that you know Barack Obama is the president, but they don't know him. They don't know him in, in an intimate way. They don't, they don't know him that way. They don't know him like a close friend. And that's what God wants for you. That's the beginning of this relationship with him. That's the beginning of your spiritual journey. It's for you to know him. It's where everything else, every part of your spiritual journey hangs on that. And I think we have so many people that call themselves Christ followers because they go to church on Sunday morning. And let me tell you something. Just because you're here on Sunday morning does not make you a Christ follower any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Yeah, it's true. Just, it just doesn't. It is a lifestyle. It is a life that you must live. And it begins with knowing him. And man, he wants to know you so bad. He wants you to know him so bad. He wants you to pray. He wants to answer you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to move on your behalf. He wants to bless you. He wants to speak to you. And he's done all of this through Jesus to prepare the way for you to be able to do that. And now the ball's in your court. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to practice what we're talking about. Literally today, practice what we preach. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how robust it is, how clear it is. That if we're willing to look at it, we can learn so much about how we, how we talk to you, what matters to you when we come to you and talk to you, the things that we need to set right and the way that we need to be. Lord, I pray, God, that as we, as we come before you, that as, as Christ followers, God, that we understand our relationships matter. And Lord, there's so many of us that are holding back on forgiving somebody. We're, we're holding that unforgiveness. And it's turned into bitterness in our lives and it's wrecking every relationship and we don't even realize it. Lord, I pray that you would just put your finger on those, on those relationships and those people that we need to forgive today, Lord, now. I pray that you would put, a, put someone, on, for every person in this room, that you would put somebody on our hearts that we can call, that we can go to, that we can forgive today. Lord, search our hearts. Lord, I pray, I pray for each one of our motives. Lord, I pray, God, that you would search our hearts, that, that you would search our motives, that you would reveal to us the impurities there, that you would give us right motives, that you would give us a clean spirit, Lord, as we, as we pray and as we seek you. Convict us of those wrong motives where they may be. Lord, I pray that, that, that because our lives matter to you, that you would help us to follow Jesus in every area of our life, not just some areas, not just the ones that are convenient for us, not just the ones that we like, but in every area of our lives, we would follow you completely with total abandon. Lord, that matters to you. Help us to do that. Father, I pray for those of us that maybe are weak in our faith because we've been, maybe because we've been following you for so long, maybe because... You've said no to some things we've asked for. Maybe we've lost some relationships, lost some loved ones, maybe endured some painful things, and our faith has gone weak because of it. Lord, I pray that you would invigorate us with faith today. 
that, it, that hope would rise in the inside of our hearts so that as we pray, Lord, we can have faith in you again. Others of us here, Lord, we, we just need to surrender. We have plans and we want you to honor those. And we forget that you are, the big picture here is that you're in control and Lord, we just need to surrender. So I pray that we would learn to surrender and trust. There's a trust that is, even comes with surrender. Even in war, as they surrender and wave their white flags, they trust that those they're surrendering to will treat them well. Lord, I pray that we would trust you would treat us well through whatever it is we must face as we surrender to your will and to your way. Though we may tell you what it is we desire, though we may ask over and over, Lord, we ultimately need to trust you. May we trust you more each day. Now I'm going to continue to pray and keep your heads down and your eyes closed because the most important thing is that you know God. And knowing God begins with a conversation with him, just like how you get to know anybody. You talk to him. That's what prayer is. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can be included in on that prayer so that you can begin a relationship with God, so that you can know him. And this just becomes the start. But it starts with talking to him. And maybe you don't know the words. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe you think people are going to laugh and point at you. Nobody's going to do that here. In fact, in a moment, we're going to celebrate with those of you who say yes and say, I'm going to pray that prayer today. But I'm going to give you the words, and if you want to be included on that prayer, to say yes to Jesus, to ask him to be Lord of your life, in other words, to lead you so that you know how to follow God and live your life in a way that honors him. All of that begins with this prayer. So I'm going to pray, and if you want to be included on that prayer, everybody's got their head down and their eyes closed. If you're going to be included, would you just let me know? Would you just tell me so that I know who I'm praying with? Would you just signify that by putting your hand up in the air? Just, just slide it up. Just slip it up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any more? Just put your hand up. Just, just for a quick second. Let me see. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray, and you can put your hands down now, and I just want you to pray. You can pray out loud or you can pray in your heart. If you're watching by Periscope this morning or listening by podcast, I want to tell you that you can pray right now where you're at and God will meet you in this moment and the trajectory of your entire life changes. Pray these words. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect and sinless life. That you died upon the cross and rose three days later. Jesus, that you did all this to demonstrate how much God loves me. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life. Please give me yours. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.